0: Every now and then a message I write becomes deeply personal. And all these Advent messages for me are just like that. I'm speaking out of Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. The Apostle Paul speaking to us this morning. And I would ask if you're able to stand for the reading of the word. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of the Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. You may be seated. I'm going to take you back a little and date myself. um, And I don't mean like on a date, but date myself as in what I remember. Do you all remember those uh, Heinz ketchup commercials from the 70s? Remember the theme song on that? uh, By Carly Simon? Anticipation? You know, and... I'm not going to sing it. Um, About did. Um, But we waited for the catch-up in the commercial the whole time, just waiting for the first drop to come out and the song's playing. And that's what the whole commercial was. And I thought it was a great, brilliant way to do that because it says you're just waiting for that good stuff to come out and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And and, uh, I remember... Not that this has anything to do with it, but later they showed their ketchup compared to other cut ketchups which were runny. But they said theirs is thick because it's good. <laughs> but anticipation, right? And I remember being little and loving ketchup. Um, that's an understatement. I used to put it on the plate and lick the plate. <laughs> and then I'd put more on the plate. And just to make you somebody else, yeah, me too. Uh, the uh, funny thing about it is, is I would feel like, well, um, I can't just do that. I'll, I'll ask for another French fry or something that they put the ketchup on. I'll eat that. Then I'll lick the plate. And then I'll go get another one and fill up the plate. And I did that. that. That was probably strange to my family, but they expected it after a while. But that commercial, it connected me to the value of what was coming when the song would play and you're just, and just waiting, right? And, and it was worth waiting because it was so good. That's what the commercial was. That's like. worth the wait. You know it's going to be good. You're worth waiting for. But what if you could get it quicker and, and, and make it come out of the bottle faster? Do you remember when, when you, when you had the different methods to try and get it out quicker? You had the ketchup bottle, you beat the bottom of it or hold it up and tap the neck or get a knife or, or something to pull it out. Did you ever do any of that? Try all those different tricks just to get it out of the bottle because you're tired of waiting. and you want to eat that good sandwich or whatever it was with the ketchup. But it, there was always some stories about it. Um, but now you know what? We have plastic squeeze bottles, and I'm so disappointed. No more teaching our kids the finer things about waiting for ketchup. You squeeze, but I got to tell you something. It's still thick. Uh, The other day, I was um, putting ketchup on a hot dog at a gas station in a squeeze bottle, and and it was full. And, and you turn it over and you squeeze it, you know what happens? You, you want a nice little thin line, right? <laughs> Never happens. As soon as it starts coming, a big blob, and half the hot dog is covered in four inches of ketchup. And so th- those squeeze bottles just aren't the right answer. So I've resorted to the foil packs at, at places. But anyway, I was telling you about this because times have changed. On how we do things. How we look at things. And how we feel. Except. For how we feel. When we're waiting for something really good. That we know is coming. We still want to wait for it. And anticipate it. In Advent right now is a time to reflect. On the birth of Christ. During this season. Things are. Uh, for us anyway, probably for you too, are are jam-packed. I mean, there's always something. Party, something to get ready for, um, other obligations, and it's just more full at this time of the year. And family, and all these things that happen. And it's nearly impossible during this time of season to sit down and reflect about the meaning of Christ and Christmas for any length of time. It's like, I want to, but I got something else I got to gotta do. I told my wife earlier this week, I got to do the bulletin and I got to get the sermon done before Friday night because I got to drive a trip to Carlisle County and Saturday morning I'm getting up super early to go up to Carbondale, move the kids and I won't be done till late in the day and I don't want to work on this then. I didn't even want to work on pulling my socks off last night. That's how tired I was. But today, during this time, for the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you to reflect a little, to reflect on Christ and what he means to you. And we're going to do this every Sunday during Advent to reflect, to think about, to take the time we're not going to get in a busy week. And today, as the sermon title says, and if you follow the daily text, we reflect on anticipation. Anticipation of Christmas. But what exactly is that? The anticipation of Christmas. Does that mean like Christmas Day? Celebrate with the family? What is anticipation of Christmas? If you read the text this week, you have a good idea Of what anticipation is about. From the way I look at things. When I married. I did not see my wife in her wedding gown. Until the moment she walked through the door. At the appointed time. I knew she was there. I knew she was beautiful. And I knew she was coming to be married to me. And I knew this. Because people who were with her and saw her, told me these things. I did not see her that way until that door opened. But I could only anticipate with this kind of expectant hope and imagination, of what's this moment going to be like when the door opens and I get to see her adorned and ready for me? Christine, up to that point and since, has never failed on any promise she's made to me. And I had no question at that moment in my mind that she's going to keep the one about being married to me that day. I have to wonder, do you wonder if she considered if I'd be there when she opened the door? Galatians 4.6 tells us, that we've been given the Spirit of God's Son into our hearts, which cries, Abba, Father. It's the same cry that Jesus offered on the cross, Abba, Father. Do you understand what Jesus was going through and connecting with his Father is the same Spirit within us that he wants us to connect the same way Jesus did It's a deeply personal, this word Abba, an intimate term of affection. You might say it can be said by one who knows and lives out that relationship, and nobody else could know that. It isn't used flippantly as, like expectantly, but knowing in this hope. And the one who says it truly knows the truth about the relationship. It's not a hope relationship. It's an actual relationship. That's what that spirit says. This is real. And that Abba word means daddy. Jesus isn't going, Father God, God out there. He's saying, Daddy, it's your boy. I need you. I need you, Daddy. Because he knows God like that. And it's the same spirit he's pouring into us. And because of Christ, we can begin to have that kind of relationship. In 1 Corinthians, sorry, Colossians 1.15, it says that. He is the exact likeness of the unseen God. Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. The unseen God. We cannot visually observe God with our eyes. No one can and live. God has to be revealed. Just as Christine was my unseen bride behind the door, we wait for the revelation of God for a door to open and we can get glimpses of who He is. We anticipate the coming of Jesus. While we wait for the revelation of God. He's the one who made him known and he will return. That's his promise to us. And this spirit that he's given us, which cries out this Abba Father, connects us to a deeply personal God. Not something out there. A God who is noble without being seen. When you feel something, you can't see what you feel. You feel what you feel. And God is kind of experienced like that. In faith, you see Him. It's the Spirit that God gives us. It convinces us of this truth. And it causes us to cry out. Truly, you are God, and you love me like a daddy. And you are my Father in heaven. Not just ours. Mine. Deeply personal relationship. By the way, Christine came down the aisle. But it wasn't until she responded to my I do with her own that my anticipation of would she could truly end. The tension of creation is caught in that moment of the vows in a wedding before Everything is done. That's why people cry at weddings because the tension is so strong. It's love, but it's got to be expressed for it to be known. And when it's known and expressed, it brings tears to our eyes. Especially when you understand the depth of the relationship. Will the groom offer his undying love? Will he be there? Will he promise it? Will he vow for this? Or is he going to change it all of a sudden? And she has to say something like, I guess so. (laughs) will she accept when he offers it? Will somebody be jilted in that moment? Cold feet. It has happened before. I've heard of it. And in movies it's like, how embarrassing, how difficult, how painful. It's the same mindset that subtly when someone is jilted that gradually invades our thinking about Jesus. Let me explain what I mean. We've learned to question in our society and distrust just about everything. To really need solid proof that something really works or is real before we'll really trust it. We say to ourselves, if Jesus is real and he actually does come back like he said, will he want me? Will he even bow to me? And say, I will be here forever for you. Well, what if I didn't do things the right way or say the prayer right or didn't really believe the right way? Is he still going to think that I'm okay? Is he going to want me here? And what am I and who am I that he would actually want me if he is who he says he is? What, he doesn't even need me. Our inner voices pervasively create doubt. And they fill us with uncertainty about who God is and who Jesus is. Yet the scriptures which are irrefutable testify to this truth. He is real. He has come. He will come again. Two of those things are true. The coming again is what we wait for. As we wait for Christ at Christmas, we also anticipate his return in final victory. He will come again, as I said, but he is Emmanuel. That's what we call him and say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Do you know what that phrase means? God with us. Why is that important? Why do you think God with us is so needed for us? For you, for me. Why does our world need to know God is with us? Some people say because without this world we don't have hope. Without God, I mean without God in this world we don't have hope. Some people would say, well we need to know God is with us and he's not against us. But I think there's more to it. Because I think God knew we'd forget he was with us. Unless he actually was. Now you say, what do you mean? Look at the Israelites. God's eternal presence was with him in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And they questioned he was there. It wasn't close enough. It was detached. God needed something personal for us to know him. So he gave his son the name. Emmanuel. He is God with you. The same spirit in him will be in you. So you know he's with you. And it convinces you who he is. And that you matter to him. And that you are a part of his family. The Holy Spirit helps us to learn to trust God at his word. And we have to learn to do that and to listen for the spirit that's been given. Amongst all those other conflicting voices in our head, the still small voice of the spirit of Christ in us says, I'm here. No matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, I'm here. And you can know that God is your daddy. I've heard people pray to God and they'll say, dad, At first I thought that was strange. Then I realized one praying really did believe God was his dad. Didn't have a father anymore on earth. Hadn't had one for a long time. And so when he found out God was his dad, he said, I finally got a dad. And he loves me and he'll never leave me. And he won't die like mine did. I got a dad. And so when he prayed, he'd say, Dad, Father God, Daddy... And then he would continue with his prayer. It says in Galatians that the Holy Spirit was sent forth. That word sent forth is kind of like the word sent forth on a mission. And it has a mission, specifically of calming your anxious heart, of Stilling those questions about your relationship with God and yourself. That's the mission of the Holy Spirit. You see, what we miss in this passage when it says it's the same spirit that calls us cry out Abba Father, is we, we miss that connection that we just go, yeah, I know it's the same spirit given. But do you experience in yourself the spirit that God has given you saying, yes, yes, this is true. Or is it just some words on paper currently that say this will happen for some? It doesn't say that. It says he sent forth his spirit to be in you that you would receive the ability and the confidence to call God daddy. The right kind of daddy. One that never leaves or forsakes. Always has your best interest and loves you unconditionally, fully, all the way, all the way home. And he tells us we don't have to pound the bottle to get the good stuff out. Or squeeze too much of it. Or force things to come. He tells us to follow God's timing. That in the fullness of time, when it's right, you can trust this, that the right things will happen. And allow that timing to supersede our own anxious soul. And to replace it with a calm anticipation of what we really know is coming. Because the Holy Spirit has convicted us of it. The door hadn't opened yet in this anticipation of Advent or Christ's return. And we don't even know if He's standing by the door. But we've heard people talk about it and how wonderful He is. And how amazing and unfailing he is with his promises that he's never failed one and he said he'd be there at the right time and when the doors swing open wide, he would be there. He said that. And the Holy Spirit says yes to us, yes. At the right time. Not early. Not late. At the appointed hour. Did you know... You may not know this, but when we got married, we decorated the church. And it took a lot of time. But did you know, all the time spent decorating the church wasn't the right time for the door to open. Things weren't ready yet. But they were at the right time. And the preparation period is sometimes the most difficult part of anticipation. What doubts do you have that you need to let go of today? Maybe, maybe God doesn't know you or you don't know God the right way or, or whatever fears you have that you're thinking in your relationship with Him. What questions go unanswered that you want Him to address? They keep you wondering, is he real? Is he there? What insecurities do you carry into your relationship with God that you need to let go of today? What anxiety do you carry? Wondering if it's really true and really true for you too. What distrust has the world taught you that you bring into your relationship with God? with faith, with trusting Him. Are you willing, right here, right now, to ask the Spirit of Christ to indwell you with the full conviction and confidence that you belong to the Father? Because you do. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for showing us that it's possible to have a relationship like that with God. Not just a creator thing out there, but a daddy who seeks us and loves us and wants to teach us and show us how to do all these things that a father teaches his children. Including how to do things, how to love and how to be just like a part of the family this morning heavenly father we're going to have communion together and we're going to honor and celebrate your son and as we do so remind us once again that you did that for us that you sent him on a mission the mission to remind us that we belong to you and we belong to him the same mission that the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts that says, yes, this is true for us too. And so I ask you to prepare our hearts now for the unanswered questions, for the doubts and the fears and the anxieties right now to be let go of, that we might fully embrace you in this moment of communion. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who loves us. Amen.